Here we go. To quote Sean Michael Leonard Anderson, more commonly known as Big Sean. Oh God. This is episode 24, the season finale of the Ideas Into Action podcast. I'm your host, Hamza Khan, and our talented producer is Kwaku Ajumang, a.k.a. Kwaku On Air, a.k.a. El Fuego, the Salsa God. I read somewhere that June 21st is the official start date of the summer, but yo, that video of Kwaku dancing on the corner of Kingan University here in Toronto signals the people's summer start date. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, head over to Kwaku's Instagram account, he's at Kwaku On Air, and watch the recent video of him busting a move to Cardi B's I Like It. Pure, unbridled joy. And if that video doesn't put the biggest smile on your face, well then settle down and get ready for this final episode of season one. It features a multifaceted, deeply insightful, and just wonderful, wonderful special guest. Here to bookend a season that popped off with George Khalife back in January is the one, the only, David Ipiam. David Ipiam is the Project Director of Student Service Excellence at York University. He's also the co-founder of Relationship Zen. By day, he's an award-winning higher education practitioner and scholar with 10 plus years of actively learning, facilitating, and co-creating personal community and professional mastery. And by night, he's a martial artist and a relationship strategist. In many ways, the perfect synthesis of all the themes we've covered in the show thus far. Multipotentiality, self-awareness, confidence, perseverance, resilience, and discipline. In this conversation, we talked about being intentional in relationships, the hidden power of martial arts, and cultivating a beginner's mindset. We also talked about knowing when to stop, managing energy to adequately show up, and staying locked on the end goal. It was a perfect conversation to end this season, and I'm so glad you're here for it. Friends, give it up for the man, the legend, David Ip Yam. DIY, David Ip Yam. Welcome to Ideas Into Action. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Right off the bat, we've got a gift for you. This is the New York Times number one bestseller. I hope you don't already have a copy of this. The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts by Gary Chapman. I am super, no, this is amazing because it's been on my list, especially recently. The last time I, I had this book, um, I only uh, looked at the assessment at the back to figure out my love languages. Lindsay, my partner, had read the whole thing. Um, and now since we've kind of progressed in, our, in, a, in, a, in a partnership, we're doing Relationship Zen, I, it's on my list to read the entire book. So this is, uh, yeah, it's like you read, my, you read our minds. Like oh, I dude. literally put it in my Google Doc like two weeks ago. It is yours. I'm, I'm happy that uh, it's a book that you want to revisit. Uh, in 2011, you and your partner, Lindsay, embarked on what you've described as an intentional and deep learning journey to understand yourselves and how to co-create a relationship that you describe as two holes sharing a path, which I thought was really eloquently and beautifully put. Uh, take me back, and well before this perspective channeled itself into Relationship Zen. Uh, by the way, for listeners, uh, how would you describe Relationship Zen? Yeah, Relationship Zen is, uh, is an online uh, educational service, really. So blog, uh, we're going to start up videos, podcasts, that kind of thing um, that really helps um, people go from, you know, who have a great relationship to an extraordinary conscious relationship. Love it. Right. So the idea of two, it's inspired by this idea of two holes sharing a path, um, which kind of uh, demystifies a couple notions of love that we, we kind of grew up with. Oh, dude. So I can go into your Well, saying, let, like, let's talk happened. about that. Like, let's understand uh, what inspired Lindsay and yourself to create this. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what little I've read, you've alluded to the fact that both Lindsay and yourself, your partner, grew up in divorced families. Mm -hmm. And uh, my parents have gone through their fair share of rocky separations. And uh, I'm very curious to see, or learn from you rather, how it was that that experience then shaped this endeavor. Absolutely. So um, 
for me, I, I kind of grew up as a um, as the adult. The the, the 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 Google told me as an adult child of divorce. Right, oh so boy. it's a diff, diff, interesting perspective. Right, and in in a scenario where I was like my my younger brother's third parent. Yeah, because he was he's like seven years younger. Gotcha. So I was kind of adopting some of the parenting kind of roles and responsibilities. I had a great. I had actually a. A privileged upbringing in terms of my parents, the affection and the love. But mm-hmm. then by the time my brother came around, that was there was a lot of friction there. Right. And so what inspired me was really the 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 toll it took on my my brother, and he's doing great. Mm-hmm. I just preface it with that younger but brother, could, yeah. yeah, younger brother Alex, and we're very close. And so sort of the toll on him in, in in indirect and direct ways, and then also the toll on me that I came to realize later. So um, just different ways that we 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 absorb different pains and, and experiences, mm-hmm. right? Um, but also, um, then meeting my, Lindsay, my partner, she grew up as a baby of a divorced family. So, so a different perspective on a different side of the coin. Absolutely. She was like barely, a con- like a couple months old, and then there was a uh, that a divorce in her wow. family. And um, for both of us, we just were just such re- like really reflective people, and we were starting to see different patterns in our lives and recreating certain things that we didn't want to see in ourselves. Wow. That we learn from our from and, and and you know bless the parents. It's not their fault. It's all like socialization. It's all sure, osmosis, right? Osmosis. Just being in that environment and just absorbing these subconscious patterns. Absolutely, and and we didn't want to recreate, and we don't want to. We didn't. We, we were like, okay, if we want to start a family, we don't want to keep passing on these these uh, perhaps toxic patterns. Absolutely, right. Yeah, and so thinking back to our friend Gary Chapman over there, what are, I'm very curious to know what are your primary love love languages? So how do you express love, and how do you like to receive love? Yes, so uh, after I did the assessment, and it's like validated from my experience, my top one is physical touch. Okay, and my secondary is words of affirmation. So you need that, or is that how you express love? Express okay. and, and receive. Oh so wow! Both. Yeah, both in both okay, cases. Right Actually, for physical touch, it's both. Uh, words of affirmation, it's more receive. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so we joke, Lindsay and I. It's really easy to kind of keep me going in terms of like feeling love it's like you know put my hand on my shoulder and she's like yeah I love you, you got this you got it I'm like all right I'm good to go right and uh her her love languages are uh physical touch so that's good because there's a mutuality very com- compatible yeah. yeah and then um acts of service my partner Bailey's uh primary love language is uh physical touch followed by words of affirmation and uh mine interestingly both ways is acts of service I express my love through acts of service and I like to feel love when I receive an act of service. And I wonder how much of that is a product of watching my parents sort of sitting courtside and watching them navigate this relationship that was very frayed at one point. Um, And so I don't know if there was another way that I could have learned love because they didn't express love to each other through acts of, sorry, through uh, physical touch or or words of affirmation. And I can't forget the love. What's the love? Uh, Gifts. Gifts. There we go. Right. Didn't do that, man. I came from a hard knock love family. Dude, I don't. I don't think my parents have ever said the words, I love you to each other. I don't think I've seen them a hug. I yeah, think wow. they've yeah. given gifts once in a while, yeah. but really so how they saw it growing up. That's, that's the model you had. Exactly. And that's, yeah. uh, I had that and I had the media and that's how yes. I learned how to, how to navigate my relationships. And yes. you've spoken very eloquently about warped perceptions of love through the media. And you've used the words over here. It's about attachment rather than unconditional love. And that's something that Lindsay mm-hmm. shares as well, philosophically, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, starting back, we kind of in 2011 when we were when we were uh, starting up a relationship, um, we, we were aware that we had certain patterns. And at the time, I was working with a life coach, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me so thinking. And prior to that, I was fairly introspective. Right. The life coach was pr- providing me with books, and I highly recommend Don Miguel Ruiz's "The Mastery of Love." The Mastery of Love. Yeah. And so and your life coach helped you sort of unpack. Unpack. Okay. Yeah, and then you start to realize like, wow, okay, yeah, patterns. And the Mastery of Love covers really 
very story-based way, uh, ancient Toltec wisdom, um, attachment and um, unconditional love. Right. So for me, the opposite of unconditional love is I'll love you when you, I love you if. Uh. And I find that subconsciously or consciously, I and perhaps others, I was loving the idea of what the person could become. So you hear some warped version of love is like, I'll partner with you. I want to fix you. I want right. to wait for you until yeah, yeah. you become X, so Y, Z. savior complex. Savior complex. Yeah. There's a savior complex. There's, um, there's uh, also, I, I am not uh, fulfilled until I'm with you, right? So you can, the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, and the issue with that is those are all conditions. Um, and so it's not, it's not unconditional in the sense that we love the person for who they are fully, right? And so it's such a it's such a fundamental shift, and so that's why we say two holes sharing a path. Right. Um, it's it's fill your own cup. Yes. The other person fills their cup, and then we create together a pool of love or whatnot. However, you want to look at the metaphor. That's so interesting, yeah. man. I think growing up, I I subscribe to this idea that you should be in a relationship to complete yourself, and that you find somebody that's also incomplete, and together you form one normal person. Yeah. But the older I get, and the more I find myself. In, in deeper with a very fulfilling whole relationship that exemplifies uh, your, your mantra over there, two holes sharing a path, I'm realizing that you've got to fill up your own cup. You've got to be a complete person by yourself. You've got to be in love with yourself and self-sustaining, and then you find somebody else and you co-create together versus absolutely. completing each other in the way that we were raised to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And then both of us grew up in sort of um, with religious history like okay. in terms of my 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 family was mm-hmm. catholic and then her family uh, united church and you'd, you'd hear at these weddings like uh, my half and your half and ball and chain shackles and, <laughs> and you know l- l- kind of till death do us part right and there's nothing wrong with those things but but it's conditional it's language conditional yes Got you. and we only have the present we right. don't know what's going next so that was kind of so and can i share a quick yeah quick, absolutely quick please. story Oh, so when I came in in 2011 with uh, Lindsay, I, I had flipped the idea so much of, 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 of this. I was resisting because of, here's an example. So I saw my parents and I didn't know the impact it was having on me. And I used to say my, my, in my case, as a, uh, my girlfriend, any present girlfriend is actually my future ex. I would any just go in. Any present girlfriend is my future ex. Yeah, I would go in that way as a way, as a psychological cue, not to, um, so that I don't uh, take it for granted. Uh, Put it into presence. But then what I didn't realize is it was also fear-based. Yes. Right? And Deficit so that was thinking, my right? You're Deficit. assuming that you're going to lose them. Exactly. And so it was self- becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, I didn't fall into those uh, 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 intense fits of uh, infatuation. And sure. I, so I avoided a lot of those issues. Okay. But then I get other issues where it's, you know. Right. So initially it was a defense mechanism. It was a defense mechanism. But then it also became something that sabotaged your relationship Correct. moving forward. And so when that shift took place, then you found yourself now in a loving, fulfilling relationship with Lindsay. And it's been three years, sir, that you've been married. It's three years since married. married, And then together, uh, like nine, eight years, eight or nine years. That's incredible. And together you've started this business where you work as relationship strategists. That's right. What does a relationship strategist do? I have an idea of what they do, but I'd love to hear from you, sir. So we we call it strategist because actually it's interestingly enough that a lot of the principles that we applied to our own relationship come from principles you'd be familiar with in terms of entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. business, leadership development, management. Uh, So one of our popular posts came from like, uh, it was called like relationship strategic planning part one and part two, where we literally use concepts you might find in the world of business. The idea is like, is that we're a team and we're co-creating this thing called love. 
mm-hmm. right? And it takes work every day. Absolutely. Right? So today we were just fine-tuning some, uh, an aspect of our relationship protocols, and we, and we were thinking like daily stand-ups. Right. Daily stand- <laughs> we do. And, in, and in, in, in a very agile way, right? Yeah, in <laughs> the morning you're at, at the kitchen, you're preparing some meals, and yeah. that's a daily stand-up. Yeah, basically, yeah, right? absolutely. No what, what are we going to work on? What, yeah. what, are we, what are we looking forward to, right? And at the end of the day, we do, uh, you know, you call it... Um, Recap, a recap, you know, yeah, recap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, we do like, what are your, you know, some, something we're grateful for about each other. We do three gratitudes both ways, things like that. And it's just a playful way to remind ourselves so that, you know, uh, we also believe in life integration. So it's, it's not that I have to flip my mindset from work to relationships. It's, it's, it's really one in, in the same in the sense of, uh, the amount of time and attention. Well, I found, sorry, I'm just going yeah, back to no, some good. parent life, right? Is I found that what I learned from parents and some other models is they'd be a certain way at work, could be excellent at work, but sure. difficult to apply in the relationship. Yeah. Right? Or vice versa. You're not There's having a great total time context work. switch, right? Yeah. Or, or not having great time at work, having great time in the relationship. I wanted both. Yes. And I knew we could do both. And, you know, I, I imagine that there's some listeners right now who are hearing this and thinking like, that's a really strange practice yeah. to, to, to bring into your life yeah. where you treat your relationship with the level of intentionality, intentionality. and systems yes. that you would apply to work. But I can tell you from with absolute confidence that the absence of that intentionality leads to a disastrous relationship. Absolutely. Like I think my parents, at least before they sort of started falling in love with each other again very recently with the help of processes and systems were existing in free fall. There was no expectations that were communicated. Communication itself was limited because they didn't have those traditions. They didn't have the equivalent of the standard that you talked about. So it might seem corny on the surface. It might seem like I'm not going to do that in my relationship, but trust me, you will be better for having done it. Absolutely. I mean, it's like maintaining a, a fire, right? You got to yes. keep feeding it. Of course. Right? You got to keep, keep on stoking it. it, fan it, all of that. Exactly. Right? And so it's an active process. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I mean, we, I care, whoops, Lindsay and I care about our relationship, so why not put the time in? So that's where the word strategist came from at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do a lot of facilitation. We do a lot of writing education. Um, and we just found that there's a certain style with our posts and it usually kind of typical strategy the what like what's the current state what do we want the future state to be how do we bridge the gap right and and we kept following that model and uh, that's incredible so how's business going so far so um the, it's been a blog so interesting it was yeah. a side passion mm-hmm. uh, at first the way it started is uh lindsay and i were Lin- blogging was becoming popular yes absolutely right in 2011 i think yep. maybe it was already you know anyway still, was, still continuing to send like i think the relevance of blogs is only increasing especially with like medium.com for instance yes it's just found a new life altogether yes i've been thinking about that medium and um uh, Lindsay was learning to blog through work at the time. Right. It was a requirement. And right. we were like, okay, well, let's reflect on the relationship. And people were saying, we want to look inside the relationship. They could, they, they knew us from different services. We want to see inside. So we we'd reflect. But primarily, it was for ourselves to grow and learn as reflective relationship practitioners for ourselves. That's amazing. And then in the process, um, you've learned to share that with people. Learned to like, share that with people, yeah. And we're both educators, uh, so it kind of fits the the flow. And then in 2018, we decided to turn into a side hustle, yes. meaning trying to find a way to, to monetize it, to monetize yeah. it um, just uh, as an exchange. And so we started hosting in-person workshops mm-hmm. in 20, uh, last yeah, year, Yeah, it's a good natural extension of that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so we tested that model and it was great. And then we found this whole world called online businesses <laughs> and <laughs> online courses. So 2019 is all about building that up. And let me tell you, I thought it was gonna be easy, the easy route. <laughs> like oh, a, dude. It's not easy. It's, not it's, easy, uh, but it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're starting to roll out advertising on this podcast right now, and one of the ads that we're going to run is for the Skillshare course that I produced. That's right. And uh, 
man, the, the, the mantra of build it and they will come is not true. That's I right. promise you that it is not true. You have to actively market and let people know that yeah. this course exists and, you know, things like this that we're doing, we're sitting down here and having a conversation, but hopefully what this is going to do is anybody who is in their customer journey in need of the services that you offer or I offer will know that this is a thing that exists. Absolutely. And the motivation came from two places to, to, to evolve from uh, in-person to online is one, mm -hmm. people were saying, we want to be there, but we can't make it to that time in that specific space. Gotcha. Right? Right. Like it's so time, content, like bound. By exactly. Time and, space. and also geography as geography, well, right? Yeah. Right. They've yeah. got to be within the GTA. Exactly. Right. And so we want to say, okay, we'll, we'll build something that can reach you, that can be where you're at, meet you where you're at. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the first motivation. The second motivation is, is to reach more people that, that wanted to, that, that may not know about us because we're geography bound at the moment. Right. And, and we know that it could serve. Like I have family in, in, in different countries that sure. like, we want to do this, but yeah, we can't, yeah. Mauritius, yeah. But we can't, we can't access, right? Mm -hmm. So, Dude, I'm, uh, this is so interesting. This conversation is coming at the perfect time in this podcast's evolution. So here we are in episode 24, and I feel like your career, your life is the perfect synthesis of all the different themes that uh, we've covered in this season over here. And I want to just shift gears a little bit and talk about martial arts, because something that I learned about you very recently is that uh, you're the head instructor of Kagami Shinkai Karate School, which is so fascinating to me because I've known you primarily as a student affairs professional. Mm -hmm. Then I've learned about your entrepreneurial endeavors. I've learned the fact that you're a speaker facilitator. I learned about relationship Zen. And now I've got this curveball <laughs> where you are somebody who engaged first as a student back in 2000 and then as an instructor in 2007. And That's I right. feel like if we explore this, I might, and the listeners will have a better understanding of the level of intentionality that you bring that is your trademark across your entire portfolio of things that you work on. But before we get into that, you said that you were inspired by martial arts movies growing up. Yes. That got you into it. Let's nerd out a little bit. Tell right. me about uh, what are the martial, art, martial arts movies that got you into this? Okay. Um, I was a big fan of Jet Li. Yo, Jet right? Li. You know? Yes. Of course, man. Yeah. I was more of a Jackie Chan guy, but Jet Li oh. is right up there. Oh, yeah. Jackie Chan, Jet Li, even to an extent Bruce Lee, right? Bruce Lee as before, well, yeah. Before sort of like my time, but like I watched it, right? Mm -hmm. That was probably the first exposure, Bruce Lee. But at the time I was watching, I was still kind of scared of, of yeah, life. That was like our, our uncles and parents' generation. That's you right. Know? Yeah. And there were scenes I wasn't allowed to watch, right? At the yeah. Time. <laughs> By the time Jet Li rolls around with Fist of Legend, oh Twin Warrior, the guy's too fast for the camera when he films in Hollywood. Unreal, right? yeah. Unreal, and I would emulate. Like I would emulate, kind of like that. You watch the season, the the, the show Heroes back in the day. And I, yes, one I did. Who'd watch? Yep. And then like learn mm -hmm, the skill. Mm -hmm. Could watch anybody like a yeah, gymnast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his name so, though. Yeah. Yeah, and I just I would just like replicate in in in, in at home, right? So you'd and be over there just doing that like doing flying things, kick and thinking yeah. I'm invincible, <laughs> right? And I had this one uncle too uh, from Australia, or he's still there. Yeah. And he, he was, uh, he, I called him the strong man because he was just so strong. And he came over in this impactful like week and he was like showing me these workouts. And I'm like, that's what they do on TV. Oh, my uncle does it. And something hit me where it's like, oh. And my dad had trained uh, karate, hardcore karate back in Mauritius too. So it's kind of like, in my and I found out my great grandpa or something. Wow! So there's a, like a long tradition, right. a history in yeah, your family exactly. of people who engage with the arts. Exactly. But I was too scared to join martial arts until the age of ten. I, I would just I remember my my dad brought me to or told me about the idea uh, when I was b before the age of ten, and I was just scared. I didn't want to take off my socks and enter the dojo. You know, I was too scared. Yeah. I, what was the thing that convinced you to finally do it and take that leap? Right. So after yourself to the after years of Power Rangers and Jet Li and Bruce <laughs> oh, Lee, were you right? a gamer as well? Were you playing Mortal Kombat um, back in the day as well? I think so. Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Street Fighter. Right yeah. when I was at my cousin's house, uh, we were surrounded by a lot of martial arts. We going were. On, yeah, it was big. Right. Yeah. Um, what inspired me was bullying. You know, classic ah. kind of story. 
Gotcha. Uh, yeah, being bullied, right? Right. Yeah. Same and, year, I was bullied as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then I think um, yeah, it was just it was hard, right? Yeah. And uh, it was a way to kind of channel the the energy, I guess, mm-hmm. or, or or to awaken the person within me. But I didn't know that. It was just. Well, I kind of listened to my dad and I was like, okay, I'll go. And now you have a much more intentional approach to this and you work on something known as somatic experiences, mm-hmm. which I just learned about today and it blew my mind. So the way you've described or the way at least I, I read about online, it says that uh, somatic experiences are a body-oriented approach to the healing of trauma and other stress disorders. Yes. And you teach that through martial arts, which sounds strange because when you pair that with karate, which seems like a primarily offensive martial art, yeah. how is it that an offensive, an offensive martial art can help you with uh, the healing of trauma and other stress disorders. Like, how, how does that work? It's very interesting. Yes. So um, I kind of stumbled upon this because uh, in uh, 20, um, 20, I don't know, it's 2015, 14, or at some point, mm-hmm. I encountered this like what you could like like near you know, exhaustion. You know, circ- actually yeah. twice in my two, three times in my life. And I realized that what was keeping me up afloat was my martial training and my the level of being like the ability to be in touch with my body. Gotcha. And um, not just the mind. And so, from a somatic perspective, my body was giving me information I just maybe wasn't listening to. Uh, so, especially in the gut and um, in the in the joints, mm-hmm. the, the pains are kind of telling you things. Inflammation, so it's sort of inflammation. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And then you can connect that to you know whether you're in the parasympathetic rest or the sympathetic system, fight, flight, or rest yep, response. Yep. Amygdala hijack just taking Amygdala over. Amygdala hijack. And so. You get to a place in the martial arts where I could I could flood my body quickly with adrenaline mm-hmm. if I'm in a situation where I need to perform or I need to uh, uh, defend myself. Right. On and off, uh, I could I could regulate the breathing. Yeah. To uh, withstand cold temperature and flush yourself with dopamine after uh, a really flush, good workout. Yes, right? exactly. Um, and karate being enough, uh, yes, being perceived as an uh, offensive art. Absolutely, that's what I thought it was. You know, growing up, and yeah. I, I took it that way, and it's kind of overextended myself, and then tapped into like, oh wait, there's a whole somatic part to this, right. where you could be like the bottom of the ocean during a storm. So the top of the storm is like a wreckage, yeah, yeah. And you might have deploy some of your defenses to f- fight her off, or just be one with the storm. But inside, you're you're in touch. You're letting everything flow. Um, and that requires interoception, and that's what I kind of try like to that teach. Word, man. Inter- that's, that's, that's a Scrabble winner, right? Yeah, there, right. Man. Exactly. It, Thirteen intero- points. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Interoception is kind of like awareness of of the inner sensations, the inner, the physical Perception. inner. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, the karate, unlike um, the, I, I respect all the martial arts. Sure. But like uh, compared to like a judo, for instance, judo, or, or like let's a, compare it to like uh, taekwondo. Yeah, taekwondo. The more sport-oriented arts, sure. Um, definitely, you'll have interoception there. But the style and karate is on a spectrum. But the style of karate I do, there's a lot of like moving meditation. Like you're standing in a in a standard spot for a, a couple seconds, couple minutes, and then you just you move and you do another static motion in the air. So from a from a martial perspective, people might be like, "Well, that what are you doing?" Right? right <laughs> like yeah. We're 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 developing body awareness, right? Wow. Like ev- for for hours and hours on end. And then we'll fight, you know, consensually, and then we'll meditate. And then so th- that that combination of just being one with your body through just hours and then putting it through extreme um, like duress, duress. Yes. Uh, it kind of 
it, it's kind of like a winning combination in terms of developing awareness and then showing yourself that what you can do. Dude, how often do you go and train? So uh, at my peak, I was training six days a week wow. in terms of various martial arts uh, for a number of years, many years. And then and now I teach and train about four hours a week. I would love yeah. to see your calendar, man. Like yeah. I, this is so mind blowing to me. And it's, it's so easy for me to now see how you've been able to effectively and actively work on multiple concurrent projects because you've done what sounds like a complete rewiring of the David IPM, not just mind, but of body as well. Right. Uh, one project that you're working on that I'm really excited about, uh, and it launched actually around the same time that we launched ideas into action. This is the student success exchange, which is your podcast. Right. Congratulations on all the success you. you've been having there. Um, and by the way, we should talk off, off air about uh, how Student Life Network can support this because I awesome. think that uh, there's a lot of stories that we come across all the time and I think that you're a great facilitator and you can really dive deep into some of these stories about students. Um, what has the master learned from students? Mm -hmm. I'm so fascinated to know like across all the interviews you've done so far where you're talking to students who are go-getters, who are making things happen, what have you learned that you didn't already know? Yes. I think that, so there's a whole host of things I learned and what's coming to mind now. Uh, so the motivation, sorry, the motivation for this podcast is that I, I was sitting, you know, student affairs practitioners, you get, you get immense privilege to sit one-on-one -on -one with students hours on end mm -hmm. and really go deep. And I was like, there's so much people we can all learn from Absolutely. these stories. Why keep it between the four walls? Yep. Right. And the students as well wanted a platform to share. And so here we go. This thing is born. And I thought I knew it all, right? Because of having been all, you know, through all these meetings and sure. studying it in the, you know, in school and whatnot. And uh, I think what I'd have to say is courage. Some of the, the, these students shared um, uh, some, some really vulnerable stories. Of course, yeah. And uh, on, on this open platform, right? Stories that, you know, I knew them and, and, and worked with them. I didn't even know about yet, right? And... I think when I was listening, my first reaction was one of, whoa, maybe I should, maybe I should like pause and say, are you sure you want to share that? Yeah. But no, right? Like agency, right? And supporting that. And just, it's something that even now, like I'd, I'd be, I'd be kind of, well, should I share that? You know what right. I mean? I, it, and I think, I think so there's much. something so uh, like, uh, so 2019 about that, that exactly. you're, you're having this conversation online uh, and it's being broadcast to peers, not just your peers in student affairs, but also the students' peers as well. And the hope is that somebody listens to that and they're able to relate. And even if they can pick up on just one idea and sort of rehearse a scenario through that conversation that helps them to deal better with that scenario when it appears in their own life. I think your job's done. Yeah. What a novel thing that you're doing. And I remember when I used to work in student affairs, I, one of the mantras that I would always say is that just step outside of the office. Your, your customer is right there. Exactly. Your stakeholder's right there. And now you've taken that and really made it not even a process. It's a lifestyle now. Yeah. How often do you record? So uh, I kind of do the batch recording, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll record um, like 10 in a month and then, and then I'll publish uh, later there you go um, just so yeah. people can binge the season afterwards right? uh, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah i kind of like should i release week by week or should i kind of just leave yeah. it all up and you know i'm still figuring it up to, to and you know who Dude, knows? it takes a lot of humility to sit down with a student and have that conversation again like you alluded to the fact that you've studied this you are studying this you're working right now at york university i mean you've been involved in this industry for a very long time you're familiar with all the theories um what what gave you the courage to cultivate that beginner's mindset in the first place because hmm. I feel like you've got a beginner's mindset with all of the things that you have mastery in, which is just such a, a fascinating uh, array of features to have and attributes to have. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And I want to, I think I, ha I have to bring it back to the martial arts uh, 
there's a there's a karate saying that says from white belt to black belt you learn the tools and at black belts you learn to use them whoa (laughs) wow so you're constantly in a bigger mindset right yeah and um so one of my top values is learning and then the other one's add value so in my quest to add value i end up teaching and learning and so i just constantly feel like i'm just i just developed this curiosity right Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of what drove me and i just know that um we can't just keep study, as you said, uh, the user, right? We can't right. just keep. I couldn't just keep studying and students make assumptions about and make them, assumptions, right? yeah. and it's so easy to do that, especially uh, as I felt moving up um, into management. Mm-hmm. It kind of separates myself from students, right? So this was a great way to say, hey, no, this still matters, and and there's so much more we can learn despite all the theories and. I love not. it, man. Keep at it. I think I think the project that you're doing right now is a fascinating one. Um, because I feel like we're in this age where we're just relying on the data, overly overly relying on the data. That's right. Uh, and especially as big data becomes more accessible, I think that the, the tendency is that we just interpret the data and then make decisions based off of these broad patterns or yes. even small patterns that we can see. But the anecdotes, they're something else. They're powerful. Absolutely. Stories are the fundamental unit of human understanding. And until you sit across from a student and you hear those stories that are moving, that I'm sure some of them have probably even brought you to tears. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's so that's, many. That's the stuff that 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 impels you. That compels you, man. Yes, yes. And and just to, to that note on the, the the human centeredness in this work and in in, in 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 the work that we could bring in anywhere, right? So this, this new job I have is is really just diving deep into human centered design, and it's mm-hmm. just a I didn't have the words for it before, but now it's like, okay, yeah, now we can study that, right? I love it, Put man. Put words to it. Yeah. Dude, this brings us to the Halo Skull Challenge part of the podcast, uh, where we have a fun game for you. But it's a totally optional game, and uh, no one in the history of the show has declined it. But if you want to decline it, it's entirely up to you. Or I can give you veto power in this, because it's a really, I would say compared to the other games we've played, this one's a little bit risque. Okay. This is 21 fun and sexy questions to ask your partner, courtesy of Huffington Post. Wow. So you're- I already <laughs> took off my blazer. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> hey, um, you're familiar with the game 21 questions? Yes. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Now, you can see me as Hamza, or you could choose to see me as Lindsay, depending on how you want to answer oh, these amazing. questions. Uh, <laughs> you could also veto any of these questions if they're a little too uh, uh, excessive, man. Um, first That's, of all, sir, would you like to play the game? Let's play. Let's play the game. All right. So these are t- 21 fun and sexy questions to ask your partner. Uh, first, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Huffington Post, eh, man? Just just quality, quality journalism. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, question <laughs> number one, what actor or actress would play you in a movie about your life? Ooh. Okay, I'm going to go off like the latest answer is uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. O- only because, I don't know much about him, but some people have said like my forehead reminds them of Ke- Keanu Reeves. Oh, if, shit. if I'm wearing certain like glasses, maybe a trench coat. Yeah, I could totally right? see that, man. And he's a martial arts enthusiast. That's crazy, man. Sound we like... had Daniel Breeze on last week, no, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and uh, he looks like us, the spitting image of Bradley Cooper. Now I'm, to- I can't see it. There you go, you, dude. If you put on, the, if we trade shirts after this, and you just kind of mat down your hair down the middle, <laughs> you're basically John yeah, Wick, man. Absolutely. You know what? If if Lindsay's into it, then we'll say Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Done. Who would play your love interest? Ooh. So who would play Lindsay? I'm going to say, uh, again, I don't know much about the celebrity culture, but from what I've seen, I'd, I'd throw in Jennifer Lawrence. Done. If you had to go a week without your phone, what would you miss the most about it? My, uh, my calendar. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be the calendar I'd miss. Wouldn't know what to do without it. Absolutely. Have you ever laughed so hard you peed your pants? No. 
actually. I, I, don't, I can't think of anyone in my life who's laughed so hard they peed their pants. Where does that expression come from? Yeah. Yeah. So, somebody must have peed their pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I suppose, uh, yeah. I mean, I can what? see it. Uh, I haven't had the, I haven't had it. No. Yeah. If you woke up tomorrow as the opposite sex, what would be the, th- what would be the top three things you'd do? Wow. So if you woke up identifying as a woman. Identifying as a woman. Um, I would shadow women. Done. Yeah. Great I'd answer, shadow man. them. Yeah. And you shadow three People women. who identify as women in, in their work, in their, in their uh, lives, and, and a cross-section of women, different socioeconomic demographics, right. mothers, non-mothers, all that kind of thing. And just get to experience that without that, uh, that, that dynamic that only exists when you are walking in identifying as men. Correct. That's very interesting. That's yeah. a well-thought-out answer, Thank sir. Thank you. We were talking about human-centered design, so it's just kind of right there. <laughs> I like it, man. <laughs> Number six, would you rather endure childbirth or wear high heels for an entire day? I think this is a given, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to say childbirth. Oh, I, shit, I don't know if dude. that was a given. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the reason, the reason. Bad Hamza, don't assume, man. Yeah. 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 And the reason is, uh, well, one is I have terrible ankles, so right. I feel like I'd get really <laughs> injured. And the second is uh, it's it's amazing to me that the, the, the pain and the, I don't know, just that, that uh, women mm-hmm. go through for childbirth. Absolutely. And I, I just, yeah, to experience it would be... Um, just a step in the right direction for empathy. Right. No, you know what? I was, that's exactly where they came to mind. It just, uh, there's, I don't think there's anything that we can, we can encounter in our daily lives that even compares. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Um, what was your first impression of me, AKA Lindsay? Oh, right. (laughs) Oh man. Sorry. I'm not doing, I'm not doing my best Lindsay impression right now. (laughs) The enemy. (laughs) You know why? Yes. Because we were on opposite uh, political um, slates in university, like in terms of student union. You ran against each other. Absolutely. We ran against each other. Actually, I had run against, so I was part of one wing, which I will not name, and then in one year, year one, and then, and then she was ran with the opposite wing in year two. And of course, I mean, well, of course I was still supporting the, the, my wing, but you know, not running. And, um, and then we both became presidents of colleges, uh, and so I was like, you got to keep your enemies close. That's it. Got to know what's going on here, right? You kept them a little too close. You got too close. Exactly. We joke about it, right? Um, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. I don't think that's what the quote meant, but uh, hey, as close as, there <laughs> as, we close go, as you man. get, right? And uh, turned out not to be an enemy. Just another person trying to make the world a better place. I love that. As, as is the case for many, uh, you know, people that we might qualify as enemies. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, question number eight. Now, Huffington Post is, is coming in hot with this question. Would you rather use whipped cream or hot fudge? And they provided no context. So yeah, however yeah. you choose so, to answer so, this, yeah, the I'm listeners gonna say, will uh, I'm going to say uh, hot fudge. Um, and this but, is on but, your But, but it's got to be right? quick so it doesn't melt, you know? Yeah. It's too hard. Could, could, yeah. <laughs> How, who makes these lists? Who sits down and writes <laughs> these lists, man? Uh, what do you think is Lindsay's best physical feature? Ooh, physical feature. Um, top to bottom... But then top to bottom for sure, like everything. And I would say that um, when I first met her, what the, the, like the like initial reaction, I would say legs. There we go. And what would she say is your best physical feature? Okay. When she met me, it's probably like just the, the, the muscles because okay, <laughs> I had right. a lot of muscles yeah, back in the day. Oh, you're still hiding yeah. it over there, man. I, 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 see the, I see the definition there. <laughs> thank man. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she'd say now, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I'll the, have to ask her. The Keanu Reeves forehead, man. That's it. That's Maybe. it. The Keanu Reeves forehead. If you could be on any reality TV show, which one would it be? Oh. 
one of those shows like where you're in a house with people. Oh man! Right? I just feel like there's a lot, a little too much, like drama there. Like the Big Brother type shows. Yeah, right? those just kind of shows. Putting you in these really high strung situations. That's it. Yeah, and I wanna, I wanna see what I can, what I can do, and then see if we can kind of balance things out a bit and. Dude, what would be the opposite of like a fox in the hen house? Like a hen house in the fox den? What's I, that? I think you would just go there and just change everyone's lives. That's like, what I want. There would be no fights. Everyone would be getting along. You'd be practicing karate in the mornings, man. Right. Guided meditations. Yeah, let's do some morning rituals right? and some, you know, also challenge by choice, right? For yeah. those who want to. But uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Dude. And it, model something else. Why not? People, right? Why not? Have you ever obsessed over anything like toys, movies, projects, people, problems? Ooh, obsessed. Define obsessed. Um, it in consumes your, you. Oh. It occupies all your time, energy, and attention. I, I guess I go through obsession sprints. It's the mm, way I get things obsession done. Obsession sprints. Sprints, okay. like weekly sprints in a way. Like I'll, I'll pick, like if it's, if it's the five love languages yeah. that, that you provide me, I'll go through a weekly, a one-week kind of obsession over it. My whole world becomes five love languages. Work, life, and, and, and then I'll, like I'll make sure I teach it. I'll make sure I read it. I'll make sure I'll, I'll like mind map it. And then it just gets integrated. I like that. And then sort of whatever dissolves, dissolves, but whatever sticks just becomes part of the system then. Exactly. You know what? That's a really interesting approach is really get into whatever it is that you're learning and obsessing over. I think that's how I approach books as well. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. If I handed you a thousand dollars right now, what would you do with it? Um, I'd probably invest it. Smart. Man. Yeah. I don't Answer. know. It's just, yeah, no, I definitely would invest it or, or, or yeah, put it in a mortgage or something. There we go. <laughs> What were your nicknames growing up, including the ones you didn't want to stick? Oh, uh, I think, oh, th there was Dippy. <laughs> yeah, I think because like my email is Ipyam, yeah. Yeah, then, D and then Ipyam, right? Oh, so D okay, there we go. So D-I-P-Y, Dippy, yeah. D-I-P-Y. Yeah, and then D-I-Y. D-I-Y. D-I. D-I. Yeah, which I didn't like because it's I-P. It's yeah. Ipyam. <laughs> um, and DJ Danny no, DJ, no, that's DJ Danny D is Z103, sorry. Uh, DJ. <laughs> great reference, man. DJ D, something D. I think, I feel like it was inappropriate and I can't remember it anymore. <laughs> something. And then there was, oh, Sensei is a huge one. Sensei? Yes. Who called you Sensei? A lot of the people in university. I would call you Sensei for Yeah, sure. right, yeah. From, from martial arts and also just, uh, I don't know, for, for fun and, and just uh, the, the roles I had on, in, 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 as a student kind of, you know, helping facilitate things right for, on, for, man. for people. Uh, but I have a sensei, of course. So yes. it was always in jest. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, we're almost at the end of these 21 questions. How are you doing so far? Doing great. It's fun. Sensei. Um, <laughs> do you check me out when I walk away? Oh, yeah. Lindsay. Yes. Absolutely. And so what, I had to like switch Hamza or Lindsay. <laughs> what, about, what about Hamza, man? Yeah, for sure. But that's why I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, we're on that level. <laughs> if, if I let you dress me, what would I wear on our next date? Oh, um, I, I often go with like whatever makes you feel confident, sexy, badass woman. Done. Would you ever role play in bed? Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a role play person, so I would require some coaching. So would I ever? Yes, but I'd require coaching. But you'd be open to it. That's, that's yeah. the main point there. Dude, these questions are getting ridiculous. I even feel weird asking you these questions. Man. <laughs> you can veto this one. I think it's ridiculous. Yoga pants or skirts? Whatever makes you feel good. Right answer. What is the most sensitive part of your body? Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm, we're going off the deep uh, end uh, over that's here, That's a man. great <laughs> question because I was thinking from a martial perspective, you were to hit me there, like yeah. the groin. Yes. So I'm going to go there. All right. Do you think you're a good kisser? No. <laughs> Am I a good kisser? Yes. 
last question, man. You 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 did this. You, you didn't veto a single question. You answered it with just poise and confidence, and I'm I'm very impressed, man. Thanks. Is there a memory you have of me that always makes you laugh? Oh man. Um, so just Lindsay's laugh makes me laugh. So uh, yeah, that's it. And I'd have to think uh, about specifics, but yeah, Lindsay's laugh anytime. <laughs> and the beauty is that you get those memories all the time. All the time. Shout out to Huffington Post, man. Thank it, you. It Huffington started Post. really well, and then they had a weird, just sort of sultry patch in between. But right. they asked a really good question to close it off. Absolutely. Damn, the Halo Skull Challenge with David Apm. This was for the a challenge. A very uncomfortable challenge. <laughs> I felt I felt a little bit sleazy asking these questions, but again, that's the quality journalism from Huffington Post, awesome. and you answered them like a champ, man. Awesome, dude. This brings us back into familiar territory. We talk about now the performance point segment where we talk about how to optimize and manage your time, Perfect. energy, and attention. And I have just been itching to ask you these questions. Right. Um, I have been a fan. We met in 2016. We've been connected even long before that on social media. But uh, to see the empire that you've built for yourself and that you're continuing to actively and intentionally build, um, it's inspiring. And so I want to understand now how it is that you manage those three things to bring out the best performance. And let's start with time. Uh, there's no shortage of projects that we're starting. And yes. there's no shortage of tasks that we have any given day. But how do you know when it's time to stop working? How do you know when it's time to stop working on a project, a task, a priority? And what rules do you have in place that govern when it's time to wrap something up and switch contexts? It's a great question. Mm -hmm. I love the startup energy around things. So mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a builder. You're a starter too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm less in the maintenance stage. Mm -hmm. So in terms of when do I need to drop, um, definitely one is... I want to make sure that when I start something, it's solving a problem mm -hmm. that some people need. Uh, and so if it's no longer a problem, that's one for sure way I drop it, right? right. And that's happened at work before. It's like, okay, well... Nobody the, needs it. Nobody yeah. needs it or, yeah, problem has changed. Okay, gotcha. that's one. The, the, this, the second one is um, my degree of joy and energy going going into the to the project. project. Mm -hmm. And um, like... And usually I sense this a little later. It's not the first thing I sense. It, it starts to feel like a drag. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and usually it's sometimes, if I'm lucky, it's connected to the fact that it is no longer a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's key. And um, the third is I am big on um, building a sense of necessity. So connected to the problem, but for people. So I want to just draw that in again. It's like, what's the team around this? Or who's, right. the, who's the community around this? And, and do we vibe well together? So if the community is not there, the one who's helping me build or I'm working with vibing off of to build, I'm not there anymore, then I'll drop it. Because that's going to significantly impact energy and connect. They're kind of intertwined, right? They're kind of like intersecting circles, all three. I like that. That's yeah. a really good rule to follow when it comes yeah. to stopping something. Is it is it helping people? Yes or no. And yeah. are people invested in this? Yes or no. And yeah, I think as a heuristic, exactly. that's a really great way to explore whether or not something's worth continuing or yeah. abandoning. Yeah. And then do I still feel like... That, that, that there's joy in that. Yeah, Very energy. interesting. Yeah. How do you deal with the feelings of giving up on something that you might be passionate about, but you can clearly see that people aren't going to be impacted for impacted by it either way. Uh, people are not going to be impacted yeah. either way. So, but let's say it's something that you're like, oh, we need to do this. I'm, I've, you know, the sunk cost fallacy kicks in. I've already put in a lot of time, energy, money into this as well, but it's clear that it's not resonating. How do you deal with those feelings of just giving up or not even giving up, just putting that thing in the parking lot? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think of. Uh, an example where that's happened and, and more often than not it's been an example where the, the flip side where um, it's still of value to people but then I am no longer passionate about ah, it gotcha. or I may not or might there might be competing passions mm -hmm. and, and and that's what I deal with so to flip that so um, if they were uh, how'd you flip it again uh, so I flipped is, it sorry. yeah no, no no worries this is good so so if uh, people aren't into it 
-hmm. if people aren't buying into the idea, if it's not going to impact anyone. So on Mm -hmm. both sides, the team that you're working with isn't committed and the people who would benefit from the idea aren't there. How do you deal with something that you're emotionally invested in that you have to give up momentarily? I replace it with something that fits all three criteria. And then I quickly forget about the passion that the passion I had. You have a short memory with that. Yeah, Yeah. I do. That's a very valuable skill to have. Yeah, okay. Right on, man. Uh, This brings us to energy. So we're approaching 9 p.m. as of this recording time. It's almost our bedtime for both of us. Uh, (laughs) We're going to go home and be relatively spent by the end of this, right? right? Emotionally, physically, and mentally. But uh, our partners are waiting for us. That's right. Dude, how do we, how do you specifically ensure that you've managed and optimized your energy every single day so that you can show up fully for your partner. Mm -hmm. Because that's something I struggle with all the time. It's it's tough. Um, So some of the protocols that I I use, right, Um, is, so there's a stuff I do with her, actually, that to manage our energy together Mm -hmm. so that we're sharing that path. Yeah, you're synchronized. Synchronized, yeah. Yeah, Like right now she's doing her own thing, and that's that's great. I'm doing my own thing. But in the morning when we wake up, that five to six range, we'll we'll do our morning routine, right, which includes... uh, movement, exercise, high intensity workout, yep. then, then, um, um, gratitude, journaling, meditation, and then learning. I love that, learning. man. So you're, you're synchronized from the moment you wake up. Exactly. So that provides like a shared experience. Yep. And so we know that we're, we're, we're caring and then that we'll do our morning stand up, Right. And then we'll go out, we'll go about our day. And then, so a lot of it is maintaining, making sure my, my glass is, is, is being taken care of, mm-hmm. but it's empty by the time it's fairly empty by the time I get home. Right. So there's a bunch of other protocols that it can get into if you want in terms of individual protocols. But there's this thing I learned from Brene Brown. Shout out to Brene Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And, greatly. Yeah, exactly. And she, she and her partner, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially they get home, they might say, Hey, I'm at, I'm only, I'm at 25% you know, where are you at? Oh, they do a battery diagnostic. They do a battery diagnostic. I exactly. like that a lot. And I find that uh, when my, my tank is low, I don't communicate a lot. I'll right? do the same here, man. Especially when you get home. And our partners and we are not mind readers. And I think that's where things go bad. And we can we can say things that might trigger each other. Right. Uh, and, and it'll ultimately be rude and disrespectful and then and downward spiral. Yeah. So I just think that being open, transparent about where we're at uh, is key. What I've found, though, is that when I'm tired, I may not always know where I'm at. Ah, uh, gotcha. Right? So it's yeah. easy to say, tell the person where you're at, right? But you're actually a lot lower than you think you are, right? That's right. So you might think you're at a 35, but you're probably at like a three. Yeah, or you walk in and you think, I think I have the energy. And so I don't say anything, uh, right? Interesting. So it's just about sticking to the practice. Absolutely. And, and, and saying, or or I go in, I don't say, I don't give a percentage, but then I notice I'm about to say something that's like, or, or not pay attention. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta let her know. I gotta let her know. Dude, you, I, I wish I was taking notes. And the, the, the beauty is that this podcast becomes one big note for us. Right. right? And we yeah. also transcribe these podcasts as well. You've, you've just given us so much over here. You've given me so much personally that I want to take back oh, and thanks. really inculcate and really bring into my life. Um, and this brings us to attention. So your goal in life, from what I've inferred, is to maximize your relationships and elevate your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that you do for countless students, countless early talent, uh, professionals, executives, and especially for yourself. So this last question, this last part on attention, is a two-part question. The first one is, how do you stay focused on that goal? How do you stay focused on, as David IPM, wanting to maximize your relationships and elevate your life? Is there some like physical item, like a vision board in your life? Is there, you mentioned that you you, you meditate in the morning, you journal as well. Yeah. Like what are those reminders that you have that you can turn to every single day that will reorient you and keep you focused on that goal? Right. So yes, in addition to the, to the meditation, the journaling, uh, have, uh, I learned this from Brendan Burchard, but, uh, and, and, and before, who's, who's that? Oh, he's a, um, 
a high performance coach. I've heard that name before. Is he with the Olympics? Uh, possibly. Sure. Oh, oh, I don't know if he's worked. It's possible that he okay. has, but sort of the way I kind of <laughs> paint the landscape. You know, there's Tony Robbins, there's Robin Sharma, yep. there's Brendan Burchard. Interesting. Kind of like the Mount Rushmore of uh, gurus. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, b- before Brendan Burchard, I was doing different form of this, but affirmations. And he just says like, "What's your ideal? Who's your ideal self? What are your three words?" Right. And 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 so I say those three times a day. Like what it are, pops up on they? my cal- oh I, I am um, and this is for 2019 please because I'm working on this yeah I know this is uh, great man I am abundant strategic and influential abundant strategic influential abundant strategic influential and when you repeat that enough and when you start your day with that that's and it. you write down abundant strategic influential that's right then you move through your life and you make decisions that are abundant strategic and influential correct fuck and then adding that to that layer what is the what is the vibe you want to create with each interaction. So wow. that's the second layer of his code. And I had a different one before, but I just like this is simpler than the yeah. one I had. So then those three words. So I am abundant, strategic, and influential, and I create love, leadership, and learning. So my intention through this, po- through this interview right now is I want to hope, I hope that I'm spreading messages of love, leadership, and learning. No, you 100% are. You know? that, that, man, wow. You, this happens once every couple of podcasts where right? the guest <laughs> will say something that will just totally shatter and then rebuild your worldview. I've only been doing the first half of that. I've had my three words and I've been trying to find better words to use, which is like winning, leading, giving. Nice. But the problem is they're just so internally focused. Right. So I've never felt comfortable putting them out into the world because I haven't thought about that second part, which is how is this going to create impact outside of me? Right. Thank you, sir. Isn't it great? Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yeah. And then there's just different videos I'll watch to re- bring me back if I'm not focused. Yeah. Like I, I'll, my Robin Sharma is my go-to kind of bring me back. Sure. Kind of like on a personal level, I just feel like I, I really vibe with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not become like your monologue, but yeah, right? he's yeah. exactly my internal voice. I just yeah. feel like he's there. You know, when he speaks, he's just basically just treading on top of neural pathways that you've already Ex- created for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Damn. And, um, um, actually for this podcast, I have a one pager with three, three words and in circles, and I was going to put it in front of me and, and it said leadership relationship, leadership plus relationship equals change. Leadership plus relationship equals change. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of just, uh, it was just in a nutshell kind of fit with, uh, the theme of this podcast and the words I'm, I'm moving with and, uh, but don't need it. Right. So it's clearly but, in the head. Dude, how did, how do you arrive at those three words? So the six words, right? Yeah. The three words are just how you want to conduct yourself. That's right. And then the other three words is how you hope to impact people as a result of conducting yourself. Over That's there. Right. What exercise do you have to go through to come up with those six words? Yes. Um, so as a, as a leadership educator, facilitator, you know, we're, constantly um, inviting people to, to take part in transformative learning experiences. So different methodologies I've used with other people. And I definitely do the exercises myself. So mm-hmm, I've done mm-hmm. a lot of my own exercises and other people's exercises. But these three words came from deeper work. So Lindsay, uh, she's actually doing one right now this evening. Uh, a car, like a, a, She calls it a reset session. So people who are, you know, sometimes you get in these slumps in life. Sure, yeah, you just yeah. need a little boost. That's it. Right. So uh, she does these card card kind of kind of readings. Not like a psychic, but it's sort of different. Right. Anyway. So I did the card and uh, I was going through like a tough time and this, this theme of abundance or my constricted view of self was coming up. So that's why I fit him with abundant, right? Mm. It's not just, it's not like purely financial, but it's just not restricted view of self. And do and these that, cards contain these attributes on them? They contain like a message with three words. Yeah. And the words weren't the exactly there, but abundant came from there. Uh, strategic and influential came from actually a combination of the VIA character strength yeah, survey. Yeah, yeah, shout out to that. Which the, is based on the MBTI, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And the um, strength, strength finder. Strength finder, Gallup. Yes, yeah. Gallup. 
And, you know, I have my, uh, you know, no, no tool is perfect, mm -hmm. but those are the words that resonated across in the disc profile. They kind of come up in every assessment. What's the name of this card uh, deck that you have? Like, is it, mm. is it a product that's uh, available to the public? Can, can we buy it? Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to message yeah, you let later. Let me know. Yeah, yeah I'd like yeah, to know this. Absolutely. And maybe Lindsay, you can meet up and she can kind of Oh, dude, I would, I would love that. Season two, we're looking for guests. So this is perfect. <laughs> and I, would, I would love to, I mean, shit, even have both of you on, man. Yeah, That'd be a really cool podcast, yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, and then how do you avoid distractions from that goal? So you've locked in, you mm -hmm. know what your goals are, you have your attributes. So essentially you have your, you have your mission, your vision, your values, mm -hmm. your priorities, your purpose. How do you avoid getting distracted? Right. I think the beauty, uh, the, the, the trick there is in the system. So the mission, vision, values, and then the systems. And I know you talk a lot mm -hmm. about systems. Right. Uh, things I do on a daily basis uh, allows me, prevents me from, uh, or enables me to spend, do more of what I, what I am setting out to do. Um, but I do get distracted, especially in this, or I think I'm getting distracted because um, I've got these uh, multiple, uh, uh, like concurrent projects, and concurrent yeah. projects going on, and they all have. Sometimes the deadlines crash, and often they do on Always, the same yeah. week, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and even I will like okay procrastinate. Um, and so two things I've found really helpful to avoid distraction is as soon as I catch it and I'll either do it through interoception, like my body will tell me <laughs> or, you know, just could tell, uh, mentally or, or through my behavior. Um, I'll remember who I'm doing the thing for. Right. And that just kind of, there's a people pleaser in me yep. <laughs> and, and that can lead me astray. Yes. Right. If it's yeah, overly yeah. tapped Cause you'll into. react to whatever's happening in the moment. Right? Exactly. But when I'm hyper focused on these goals and if I'm distracted, the people, I can tap into the people pleasing side of me to just bring me back on track. Uh -huh. I use like this, this vulnerable part of myself that has driven me yeah. to say, Hey, come back. We got this. Yeah, let's do this. I gotta, I gotta put in that work so that I can show up for Hamza and with Hamza and for the audience. You know, it brings me back. This is exciting, man, because this is coming at a, at a time in my life where I'm finding myself sort of entering into a bit of a slump. And I'm not, not ashamed to admit that. I mean, yeah, this is a, a big theme of this podcast has been vulnerability and self-awareness. And so I feel like with all of the things happening in my life, there's a lot and it's overwhelming me. And it's sort of bringing back feelings of imposter syndrome. Like yeah. I'm not good enough. I can't rise to this task. And yeah. whenever I get caught up in these cycles, um, I lose sight of what it is that I'm tr truly trying to do. And so us meeting today and us having this conversation um, is happening at a perfect time in my life. And I imagine for a lot of the listeners right now who are thinking that they're lost and they can't find direction and uh, you know there's too much going on, I love that you've given a very simple approach to locking in on what that goal is and avoiding distraction. So thank yeah, you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. And I got two more because please don't no, bring it on. This 2019 just was bestowing us with gifts <laughs> has been like a, a series of slumps for me actually, yeah. uh, in, in a, in a, in a great way. Like I, I think that, you know, as you know, there's just, it's, you know, when there's a slump, I know when there's a slump, I'm going to yeah. learn something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice right that way. Uh, Tim Ferriss, he asked this question, like, what would this road look like if it were easy? Yes. And he got it from somebody else. Yes. Yeah. But I just love that question. What would because, this look like if it were easy? Yeah. It's like, okay. And he, I think he ended up writing a book in a month mm -hmm, <laughs> to yeah. do, to, yeah. because of that question. And because distraction sometimes for me comes from that imposter syndrome or that fear of uh, success or failure, however mm -hmm. you want to look at it. And like not being enough, not being know? enough. And so sometimes I'll overcompensate and work too hard. Right. And so that easy and, and therefore I'll get, I'll distract myself because I, I want to avoid that hard work. So I'll ask, what would it like be easy? And most of the times we'll simplify the process and I can still get to the, to the outcome. So that's another way I get distraction. Sometimes the distraction comes from actually overworking as well. Right. Actually, I was just alluding to that. So the other uh, piece, and maybe it'll come up later as well, but um, I was working with a coach and she asked me a question and a, a, medical, uh, a medical team too. They're like, listen, David, you got to enjoy the sweetness and fullness of life. What does that look like to you? 
Wow. Like, what does sweetness and fullness, fullness of life look like to you? Yeah. And I was like, sweetness is not in my vocabulary. I don't even know what that means. Means, like, yeah. Put, like, what are you talking about, right? You're asking me to like look at this from a, from a lens I've never considered before. Exactly. And fullness... I kind of took it from a very hyper productivity sure. area. But when you combine it with sweetness, it's the fullness and the sweetness of, the, of just play and of just being there. And Dude. so when I, so early in 20, uh, fall 2018, actually, I was about to be doing, every, I was about to overdo it like yeah. again. And I had told myself I would not overdo it in like 2016 yeah. or something like that. And I was about to do it again. And then this person told me that and just, you know, um, was just very thankful that the thing that I was about to embark on didn't didn't work out. Yeah, and I'm just so grateful because I've been able to practice sweetness and fullness. You know, sweetness and fullness, man. I'm gonna think about that actively, like just on on the way home tonight. Yeah. Because right before the, this podcast, when we were talking off air, uh, you mentioned that as you're progressing further in your career and as you're improving your productivity systems, you have less to do. Yeah. And you know what? Fucking let's be okay with that. That's yeah. the goal. The goal yeah. is to have less to do so you can focus on the quality of the things that you're doing. But going back to what Mama Khan said, success is having everything you want and the time to enjoy it. Yes. And if Mama you're, Khan. If, if, you're, if you're using your productivity systems to create more time, but then filling that free time with more things to do, yeah. cup runneth over. Yeah. I remember when I first encountered self-care strategies, like at the time it was like yoga and all this, I just used it to fill my calendar even more. Right. I like taskified the self-care. Because busy work, you, you created, <laughs> you, you, you determined that you were valuable to the market and to yourself when you were busy and frantic and had things to do. Absolutely. That was, a, you, that was synonymous with, with progress. Exactly. And then my, my good friends and my parents, their number one thing was like, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, take care of yeah. yourself. And I didn't get it until I, you know. Um, uh, so now, yeah, like we joke and there's some guilt. Like I'm doing my uh, um, PhD part-time as well. Right on. And dude. what's interesting about that is I've joked about it and I've kind of allowed some people to call it this, but like a fake PhD and, and, and it's, it's a real PhD, yeah. but it's because I'm not approaching it from the state of like hyper stress and whatnot. And I'm not saying that to put anyone down. I'm just saying it's something, a choice that I was, I, I was, I made consciously. And then I'm grateful that my environment and the, uh, the privilege I have to set up that I can do that. Right. And I just, that's been the ultimate experience of sweetness and fullness. It's like, how can I do? I put off the PhD for like three years, right? Interviewing people and people are telling me like it's brutal and right. divorces all consuming. PhD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, let's do this, right? And uh, knock on wood, like it's it's going it's going well. You know? it's DIY, going well. Like man. It's, you know, I feel like you've cracked the code, man. Like in like true Keanu Reeves Neo fashion, <laughs> like you see the green amidst the black, and you yeah. understand now how it is that you can manipulate your time, your energy, your attention to just do all these things, man. Yeah. And it's incredible. And I hope that there's listeners, and I know certainly myself, um, I think I know what to do. I think I know after 24 episodes of this podcast, yeah. and this is like the perfect capstone to have you on right now. Um, the goal of all of this, and of ideas into action, is, is to be productive, but to make sure that you're using that resulting time to just work smarter, to develop wisdom, yes. actionable insights based on experiences. Yes. I had a team when I was, uh, I had a nine-person team, and we were all like, we, people called us in the area we worked in the, the C-wing, the crispy wing for the burnout. The crispy wing. For burn oh, wow. You know, it's, That's dark, man. Yeah, exactly. And then so I was like, Let's work smart, not hard. Yes. And, and it was so hard for us to transition, but you're, you're absolutely right. It, like we just, yeah, take a step back, rethink, and it takes a lot of inner work, uh, but also it requires a team and an environment. Dude. Yeah. 
Let's uh, let's close this out with a rapid fire round, sure. man. You, and you know, it's so funny, man. We just talked about Sea Wing Crispy, and then I got to re- rename this. It's called a rapid fire round. We, <laughs> we need to find a better name for this in season two, man. And <laughs> I'm excited. Good. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty emotional experience because we're at the end of now 24 episodes. That, congratulations. Oh man, I don't even know where the time went. And wow. uh, you know, I had fun with these. I, I put together a bunch of new questions. Never asked any guests uh, any guests before you these questions, and so some of them are, are, are fan favorites. Some of them are ones that you know we're trying to build a body of work here but there's some brand new ones here that are getting me excited about season two and i hope that uh you know we have fun doing this so yeah. these are 10 questions with diy neo david ipm <laughs> dippy question number one what is the tldr version of your life tender love and care oh sorry no tldr sorry. too long didn't read the very sort of i guess the tombstone version of your life oh like what's gonna be on my grave yeah what's gonna let's you know what let's just do that what's gonna be is on it, your tombstone sorry. This is good. Sorry, that's Reddit terminology, man. Oh, man. T- T- too long, didn't read. So, like, what's the summary of your life? The 140-character tweet about your life. Um, he loved, he learned, he led. Boom. Good, man. Uh, what's What should they teach in school but currently don't? Oh. Con- like, self-awareness, it, it just as a big, big area, and, and just, um, yeah, I'll just keep it as self-awareness. Self-awareness. Good, man. What's a game-changing book that everyone should read? The Mastery of Love, Don Miguel Ruiz. Boom. That's the second time you've mentioned on this podcast. It, adding it to the top of the list now. How useful would you be in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> I think about this a lot, right? So people are like, oh, yeah, the martial arts will help you. But uh, I think I could take out, like, I'll probably last a couple hours, and then I get hungry, and then starve to, <laughs> to death, you know? Like, uh, um, yeah. I haven't done the whole intermittent fasting thing. I'm, I'm not tested. For, oh, dude! For, I, trust me, in a zombie apocalypse, I'm coming to your house, man. I, <laughs> I would be the most useless. Quack, what do you think? Would you be? Would you be useless? Useful? No, you you got this right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll take out as many. Yeah, I'll take. You know what? And maybe the dr- adrenaline will kick in. I'll just take. I'll just continue taking things out, taking the zombies out until that's until, it, man. Uh, You'll be like Jedi at the end of the one. You know, he's on the pyramid it. and he's just boxing everyone. And how out? much practice would I get? You know? Oh like, God! I just yeah, I just need to eat. That's the and drink. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and sleep. Who, who would you most like to sit next to on a 10-hour flight? Okay. Uh, so You so, can name three people because I feel like you, you you just got overwhelmed for a second. I yeah. like that. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. The Dalai Lama. Oh, one. shit. Okay, why? Um, just the insight on, on spirituality and science together. Mm-hmm. So I just find it interesting that science, uh, quantum physics and, 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 and neuroscience and whatnot kind of validating some of the stuff that you know we found in spirituality and vice versa. And he's been, he's been trying to talk about that for a very long time. There are others, right? Uh, so Dalai Lama and then um, um, Robin Sharma because, well, well, I talked about him earlier, but also my family's from, my extended family's from Mauritius. My parents are from Mauritius and he goes to Mauritius really? quite frequently. So why not, you know, share the flight? Totally. You know? uh, I have to get a first class. I don't know if he flies first class. Anyway. Oh, he'll hook you up, man. He's <laughs> yeah. the monk who sold his Ferrari after Absolutely. all, man. He's got some cash. Yeah, yeah. So those are the top two that come to mind um, right now. Yeah. I love it. There's what so would be a 10-hour flight? Where could you go in 10 hours? Where would that be? So like just beyond Europe? Just beyond Europe a little bit, yeah. So like uh, Southeast Asia, probably. I think so. Yeah. yeah that might be a little been. bit too farther. Maybe like just before. Just before, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Hey, Eastern man. Eastern Europe, maybe? That might happen for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. What makes you say, what was I thinking when you look back at your life? Oh, man. When I was uh, 17, um, 
Okay, so so until the age of of, of ten, extreme social anxiety, etc., crushing social anxiety, yeah. and like you know, hid from people. Then from ten to seventeen, developing some confidence thanks to mentors. But at seventeen, I just went <laughs> like all out, right? So I was uh, running this uh, co-running this like provincial uh, lobby group. And, you know, flying to Ottawa. Like a seven, what is like a 17-year-old doing on their flip phone at pool parties, taking business calls, and having a fax machine in their basement? It doesn't you, make, man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, so and people were saying 17 going on 40, and uh, my friends. And so, I, like, what, what was I doing, you know? And uh, I took it so seriously because it of sense of duty. Life, yeah. It became my life. It became my life in such a interesting way. But and 17 I, should have been like an exploratory time in your absolutely. life. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. I feel like, and in some ways, I think the 17-year-old is looking at me today and being like, what a waste. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Because like, it was so intense. Get back to but the cause. I'm just cause, kidding, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, that's, I don't regret it, but it's like, wow, what were you doing? There you go. Yeah. He, this is an awkwardly phrased question, so, so I might have to repeat myself if it's not clear the first time, but would you rather go back to age five with everything you know now or now know everything your future self will learn? So would you, like, oh, would you wow. as, as yourself go back to age five and just relive your entire life with that. the knowledge you have now or would you right now just download everything that you're going to learn by the time you pass? That is so interesting. So I've I only wondering. ever considered the five-year-old, like the reverse. I've never considered moving forward. What an abundant way to think. Mm-hmm. I want to give this some thought. But yeah, no, I know. I want to think about this too because I haven't answered this question for myself. Default. Okay, so if I, if I were to like talk have all the knowledge now and move forward, what, what are you thinking? Like in terms of- so that's, that's an interesting one, right? So if you download everything your future self will learn, you might be disappointed that you didn't learn everything that you could have possibly learned. Like, what if your growth tapered? Yeah. What if, uh, you know, you learned something that would prevent you from living a full life mm-hmm. because you're now too cautious or you're moving in a very prescribed way through life and, and, and that sense of wonder and childlike fascination is completely gone. Yeah, yes. And, and the curiosity is so And key. the curiosity, yeah. Like, that, that might be muted. You know what? And, and, and so, okay, so I would go back age five, even though, like, that would mute some curiosity. right. But I'd want to take it from there, yeah, and and learn more. I don't know, it's very interesting. But I've always said I would I would I would always ask my friends like, would you go back to high school with all knowledge you have now? Oh, and, and a lot of people say no. I say yes consistently, categorically. I always say yes. What would you do differently? That's so interesting. I think I think with with, with the knowledge that you have about how the world's going to play out, I think uh, the the smartest thing you could do is just get into the stock market. That's true. You know, <laughs> actually, I wouldn't even I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, absolutely. That's actually very smart because. You know, and then once you capitalize on those funds, you can serve more. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. You take care of like the baseline in terms of finances. Yeah. Suddenly people are wondering how this Oracle was able to predict <laughs> that this thing called Uber would show up yeah. and that all these IPOs would happen and yeah. you would have the, the early stocks yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I go back and, and just because I, I, uh, I don't regret anything, but I would I would want to uh, t- do things personally a little differently. Uh, take me to the same place in a sense, but just... Right further ahead yeah uh and by ahead i don't mean like any certain like measure just i would have i would have started a business earlier yeah just same here yeah quick example right there yeah yeah when the stakes were a lot lower and you had more permission space to do that right yeah that's very interesting i never thought of starting a business ever until my sensei said work full time and start a business yeah and he always said that but it just didn't click (laughs) there you go anyway uh question number eight we're almost at the end of this man what goal do you think humanity is not focused enough on achieving Ooh. That's heavy questions, man. Sorry, dude. (laughs) No, I love that. Uh, There are a lot of people doing it, but the world as a whole, I think I would love to use the word love, focus more on on the difference between fear 
the track of fear and the track of love. Fear-based uh, thoughts, feelings, actions, and creation, and love-based fear um, thoughts, feelings, actions. Love it, man. And the thing you love the most about working in student affairs? Daily, oh, just the values, the values, the human-centered values, the educational mission, and I have to say, a bit of an underdog story, right? Uh, in terms of modern student affairs. So the primary mission of the academic institutions, could, one could argue, is, to, is the classroom, the, t- the teaching, and the learning. Right. Student affairs is a hub for learning. Absolutely. But constantly has to kind of, or in the past has constantly had to kind of remind people that learning happens both inside and outside the classroom, that we're whole people. And I kind of like the, the, being that underdog. I love creating those, those, those bridges between faculty and student affairs to the extent that's possible. Um, and uh, just the human-centered values on top of that, it's just a good place to be. Yeah. Love it. Like you can impact people on a daily basis. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, it's a profession that I have nothing but the utmost respect for. Yeah. I mean, uh, all of my formative years as a professional were forged through uh, student life and student affairs at the University of Toronto, Scarborough, yes. and then Ryerson University and the larger communities, Caucus, NASPA, all the professional communities over there. Uh, just some very special, very talented, hardworking people who have... Uh, modeled what the world could be. Oh, you're so right. That's so well said. And uh, from uh, just, you know, ideas into action, um, wouldn't you say that student affairs for us has been a great place to practice intrapreneurship? Like 100%, man. I I credit sort of the impetus to create something was born directly from what I experienced within student affairs. Yeah, same. Gain points, pain points, all of it, man. Same. I love it, dude. Uh, Wow, this has been such a, such a rich, just, just, just jam-packed, chock-full-of-wisdom episode, man. And I couldn't be happier with how this has turned out. I hope so. And this brings us to the last question. This is just sprinkles on top of already a very, very fulfilling Sunday that we have over here. What's the best piece of advice that David Ipiam has ever received? Because you've just given us everything here. You've you've emptied out the bank account with advice here. Thank uh, you so I much. I hope so. I hope so. What's uh, the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, okay, so growing up, I had this poster on my desk where I'd spend many hours doing the, the schoolwork. And it was... Um, I think it was called the man who thinks he can. And, you know, I'd substitute that the person, the human who thinks they can. Um, and then throughout life, I kept hearing, if you, th- if, you, if you believe in yourself, go for it. Go and do it, right? So sen- my sensei told me this, and my parents told me this, and, you know, so very fortunate. But if you th- it's simple, but it's just, if you believe in yourself, go for it. If you believe in yourself, know, go so for powerful, it. It's just so powerful, right? It, just go for it, we man. Can't, I always As like Jax to say, would say yeah. yeah, go. You can't beat your self-concept. Or maybe you can, but I like, you know, it's just kind of a, an exaggeration. You can't beat your self-concept. So work on that self-concept. If you be- believe in yourself and go for it. Boom. There we, that's it, man. This is episode 24, the end of season one of Ideas Into Action. Brother, thank you so much, man. This was an absolute delight. You're welcome. And no, thank you. When I got your message, I was like, whoa, really? Like, oh what do God. I when have you to accepted, offer? I you know what the I mean? same way too, man. What are you talking about? This is, I, I know that this is an episode. I just feel it in my heart that I'm going to re- be revisiting this episode until the end of time, man. Yeah, and I'm glad we got to reconnect. Absolutely, man. It's yeah. been a long time coming. Where can people follow your adventures online? Yeah. So um, davidipyam.com is a, sort of a, a hub. Right. And then uh, relationshipzen.ca for the relationship-focused things. And I'm excited if I yes. can just mention. Like, Please, by all means, plug it all, man. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a freebie on there on the homepage. It's okay. our it's our sort of like our uh, for people who want a to for couples who are kind of ambitious want to be proactive about the relationship. We kind of mapped out our our ten manifestos for for. Our, our relationship so you can get that for free and we're creating a bunch of other freebies tied to uh, other blog posts so maybe by the time this is released they'll, they'll be up please there. do and share the link and we'll put it in the show oh, notes awesome as well. and we want, we're going to do like a series of live facebook videos too just to connect more with people um for the martial arts it's mindovermatterkarate.com 
We're in Toronto. Boom. Yeah. Where are you so, located with the Toronto? Uh, we're so. at the uh, York Mills, Bayview Leslie okay. kind of right area. On. Yeah. And um, and then, yeah, feel free to follow uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, David Ipiam. Perfect. Yeah. David Ipiam, DIY. There you have it, friends. This was the final episode of Ideas Into Action's first season, and I couldn't think of a better guest to close it out with. David Ipiam, thank you for being on this journey with us once again, and thank you for helping to close this out as strongly as we could. I want to take a quick second to express my deepest, most heartfelt gratitude to the listeners and viewers of this podcast. Over the past five months, we embarked on a journey and people from Canada, the United States, Hong Kong, Japan, the UK, Austria, New Zealand, Colombia, Sweden, India, and the list goes on and on and on, have subscribed and tuned in. It has been such a rewarding experience to produce, and I want to thank all of you for giving us a chance and your continued support. It truly means the world to us, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, even if you've only listened to one or a handful of episodes, I would truly appreciate it if you shouted us out on social media, spread the words to friends and family, and left us a glowing review on whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, Kwaku, the team and I are going to take the summer off. We're going to listen to the episodes, study the data, analyze your feedback, and come back even stronger in the fall for season two. And uh, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at IIA underscore podcast on both platforms. Ideas into action, family. Have an amazing summer. Turn those dreams into goals and turn those ideas into action. David Apiam, thank you, brother. Thanks for what you're doing, Hamza. We're out.